Good morning. Will you please pray with me? Father, we just sang a song that we pray is truth for us this morning. We pray that you would reign, that we would, out of respect and humility, just bow our knees. Because you are the Lord of lords and the King of kings. You are Lord of creation that we sang about this morning. As we look to your word, may we have the decency to listen. May your spirit interpret, because so often uh, we get confused and we make it say what we want to make it say, but may your spirit just minister to our minds and our hearts and make it rather clear to us. And again, Lord, we thank you that we can be here. We thank you that uh, you called us to be your beautiful bride. And we ask that we behave like that. So teach us this morning, Lord. And we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. I want to take God's word and turn to James chapter 1. We're in a series going through this book. And before I I get into the specifics, we do have some missionaries with us this morning that I want to recognize just because it's good to put a face uh, with people. I know Carl Kasky's here from RHMA. Where are you at? He can just stand up right there. And I think Ann Farrow's here from Broken Arrow. Yes? No. Maybe she's coming later. Oh, she's back? Okay. And we have many groups that, that go to Broken Arrow, so um, welcome them and pray for them as they minister in their areas. The book of James is really a challenge for us to grow up. In the midst of that, he says, listen, I want you to choose joy in the midst of your trials. And if you're not careful, your trials will turn into temptation, and that temptation can turn into sin. And sin will nullify God's grace. And James tells us, don't blame God or anyone else. Your choice is how you choose to handle your desires. So respond to trials, resist temptations. And that brings us to our passage this morning. It really talks about the key. The key that helps us respond instead of react. The key that helps us resist temptations. The key that helps us to choose joy. And that key is found in God's word. Now the passage we're looking at this morning is 19 through 21, but I just want to look at verse 18 again. We finished up there last week, and here's what it says, and it's an important truth to remember because after this, he's really building upon what James says here. On his own, that's God, on his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Now think about that. He breathed life. He built creation. He spoke creation into existence. That's how powerful his word is. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature. And he's going back to the fact that we were made in his image. They were designed to be like him. We were designed to, to procreate. We were designed as eternal beings. And throughout scripture, it talks about the Bible then being alive. It's not dead. 
In fact, it says it's sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword, which, which really means that it's sharper than anything that you and I have. It just cuts in our minds and our hearts. It cuts right down to the issues like a surgeon's knife. It cuts to heal. It tells us that God's word brings life, and it brings new life. Now, James tells us there's three responses we have then to this powerful word. It's found in verse 19 of James. Three responses are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So if you want to release the power of God in your life, he says, do these three things. Know this. Understand this. Put it in up here. But know it here, but also know it here. My beloved brothers, my loved people, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick to hear. And you might say, well, hear what? Hear what God is saying. When a trial is doing a number on you, when a temptation is doing a number on you, he says, go to God first. Don't wait and talk to friends first. Don't post it on Facebook. You know, there are more people in church who are more excited to open a Facebook page than God's word. Uh huh. You're more excited about getting a text from somebody. And he's saying, listen, don't go into texting frenzy with your friends saying, oh, what do I do? Don't start to speed dial on your cell phone. Now, I am curious. If we would look at your call and text log over a month, and then we look at your call and text log over a month on how you're communicating with God, reading his word, which one would rate higher? Now, I'm not talking about work and crises and all those kinds of things. I'm just talking about how you spend time just kind of talking with people. And James says, listen, Go first to God. Don't go to the bookstore and get the latest how-to book on your trial. Go to God's word first. In Matthew 13, verses 13 through 15, Jesus is talking to a crowd. And when you look at the context, he's in a boat. They're on the beach. He's telling them some stories. And he says this. This is why I speak to them in stories or parables. Because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. With their eyes, they've closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And what does God say here? Read it with me. And I would what? Heal them. I would heal them. Now you understand everything that James is talking about so far. How we choose joy. How we resist temptation. How we go to God's word first. Everything he talks about so far is for that goal in mind. He wants to heal you. God wants to heal us. And Jesus is saying, you know, these people just don't get it. Yes, they go to Bible studies, and yes, they go to church, but they just do not get it. And we see this theme repeated so often in Scripture. 
Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Read these words. You can follow with me on the screen. About this, we have much to say, but it's hard to explain since you have become dull in hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. And the phrase there is again and again and again and again. The basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. Remember the other week I said that we need to start training instead of trying? You know, I know a lot of people think that they have gifts of discernment, but we train for discernment. How? We go to God's word first. And James says, you know, when you go to God's word, you do what? Ask for wisdom. So don't wait. And have you ever thought that if we went to God first, that maybe we wouldn't have to spend so much time talking about our trials to other people? And again, remember what we said last week. Why is all this necessary? Well, it puts us in a place where Christ can grow us. It puts us in a place where Christ can heal us. So be quick to hear, then slow to speak. Back to verse James 1.19. Now, you've heard this before, that we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Amen. Heard one amen. amen. We listen twice as much as we speak. And again, James says, listen, when you finally open your mouth, and again, you see how this relates, he says, what do you ask for? You ask for wisdom. And the reason we go to God's word first, the reason we listen and do not speak first is because it allows God's word to do the heavy lifting. Now, remember back when he said, listen, God spoke all this creation. He spoke you into existence. His word is that powerful. We have to take the time to listen and meditate and reflect and allow his word to do the heavy lifting. For people who like to cook, ever marinate a steak? I hear some mmms. <laughs> and uh, what do you do? You kind of mix your solution up, you put it in a bag or a container, and you let it set overnight. Why? Because the steak soaks up the juices and the flavor so that when you grill it, it's born into that steak. This is what James is talking about. Quick to hear, slow to speak. Let it marinate. Marinate your life in God's word. Now, one of the books we often turn to about trials is Job. And when you read Job, there's a lot of people talking. There's a lot of opinions from his wife, from his friends. And you start reading this book and you're saying to yourself, well, where's God in all this? And God's silence. Why? Well, I think in part it's because everybody's talking. He's just waiting to get a word in. But when he speaks, what's the first thing he says? Let's look at this in Job chapter 40, verses 5 through 4 through 5. He says, Behold, I'm a small count. What shall I answer you? I'm sorry. 
I missed a verse there. Let me read God's response, then we'll go to Job's response. God's response is Job 38, verse 2. Here's what it says. When God finally speaks, when everybody is talking, here's what he says. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now, can you imagine everyone sitting around saying, well, you know what we call this? We call this a godly smackdown. (laughs) And after that, God just starts asking a bunch of questions. It's like, listen, who made the mountains? And and who made this earth? And, And who made you? And just a series of questions, series of questions. Finally, Job speaks. And here's what he says in 40, verses 5 through 4 through 5. Behold, I'm a small account. (laughs) Kind of means, you know, I don't have a lot to say here. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I've spoken once, and I will not answer. Twice, but I will proceed no further. Job is saying, listen, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to be listening. Now, let's remember, too, back in Job chapter 2, when all this was coming at him, here's what it says. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. See, he didn't let the trial turn into a temptation. But when God finally spoke, Job says, since I have no idea what's going on, since I have no understanding about this trial, I do not not know how to get out of this mess. I'm just going to chill and listen. So James is telling us, In case you didn't get this, he says, you know, be quick to hear and put your mouth on pause. That's what it means to slow speak. Listen to God's word. Now, the third thing he says is that we're going to be slow to anger. And it's kind of interesting. You ask yourself, well, why does he put that there? Well, why we choose joy in a trial is because our tendency is to do what with a trial? Is to get angry, isn't it? And of course, we find out later it's not God's fault, it's not someone else's fault. When we get angry, we often get angry at the wrong person. And we also know that anger is not going to get you to go where you want to go. I mean, look at verse 20 of James 1. Here's what it says. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It's not going to get you on the right path. It's not going to cause healing. It's not going to cause spiritual growth. Now, parents here this morning, how many parents have had children, had little children? Raise your hand. Okay. You know probably where I'm going with this. Has your child ever thrown a temper tantrum? Raise your hand. Now, when they're doing their anger dance, that's a positive spin, isn't it? Are they listening? No, they are not listening. I remember we had three children, and child number one, they'd throw their tantrum tantrums, and it was scary. We're kind of like, man, do we have to take this kid to an exorcist? Because we have not seen this. <laughs> child number two, we're like, oh, we've seen this before. You know, we know what's going on. Child number three, we just kind of walk away saying, you know what? It'll take care of itself. <laughs> now, here's what I want you to think. Think about God as the parent, and get that picture in your mind. That when you allow your anger to seize you rather than you seizing the anger, think about yourself before God throwing a temper tantrum or a hissy fit or call it whatever you want. 
And are you listening? No. When we allow our anger to take charge, we cannot deal with the issues that confront us. We lose perspective. And remember what James says about people who lose perspective? He says they're double-minded, they're unstable, they're tossed back and forth. Then Paul goes on, not, not Paul, but James goes on to say this in verse 21. He goes, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, I first want to look at the word meek. The word meek translated means to be humble. If we're going to be self-aware of our own sins and our weaknesses, he's telling us that truth will bring humility. Self-deception, partial or total, brings arrogance and anger. So realize if you're going to receive, if you're going to implant, and that's a farmer's term, we're going to get to that moment, if you're going to implant God's word into your life, if you're going to put that seed there, humility is an absolute necessity. Now look at the word all. What do you think all means? Say it again. It means what? It's not hard, people, is it? But what do we do? We sit there and say, well, you know, I can still do this, and I can still be this way, and I can still listen to God over here. No. Put away all filthiness. The interesting thing about the word filthiness, one of the um, root words means wax in your ear. Now, it's a moral word, but think about that. He's saying, get the wax out of your ears. You're dull of hearing. Sin causes hearing loss. Rampant wickedness is the word we get for evil. And evil isn't necessarily what we think it is. I know we think of things that are just absolutely evil that disgust us. But evil is anything that takes us away from God. When you look at the Hebrew concept of evil... An eight-year-old boy gave the best definition I've ever heard. He said, evil is life spelled backwards. And evil is what takes life away from you. Evil is what takes God's life away from you. Evil is what destroys your soul, your emotions, and your body. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And we see this all over Scripture. It's just not James. But Peter writes, so put away all malice, all deceit, Hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And again, the list isn't as important as, listen, there's things we just get rid of. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into salvation. And you know, back in the passage of James, it says it's able to save you. And we realize that's physically, Christ conquered death. Death is not the end of the story for those in Christ. It saves us emotionally death. Emotional death is those people that are throwing temper tantrums. They're out of control. They're unstable. They're dull of hearing. They can't understand. And of course, it saves us from spiritual death. Now, I want you to think back with me to Matthew 13. I read the passage where he was talking about, listen, you fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah You can't hear, you can't see, you can't understand. And that's why I speak in stories. And the point was that Jesus wasn't trying to confuse people. 
The point was that Jesus says, listen, doesn't matter how I spell it out, you're not going to get it because you're not hearing. Now back to this concept of the implanted word. It's a farming term about planting. And Jesus told this parable. He says, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately sprang up since they had no death of soil. But when the sun rose and they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now the seed here is God's word. The soil is our hearts. And he says there's four kind of hearts here. There's the hard heart. The hard heart just doesn't get it. You could argue all day long, but it is just hard soil and the seed lays on top and takes no root. It doesn't even receive the implanted word of God. The shallow heart receives it, but since there's no depth, nothing really grows. It just kind of sprouts and dies that quickly. The crowded heart is crowded out with busyness and sin and And while the plant grows up, there's all these weeds that kind of grow around it and rocks. And it just chokes out the fruit. Then the fertile heart receives it and takes root. And you notice there's various degrees of a fertile heart. He talks about some as a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Now here's what's interesting about this parable. Farming, just like implanting, okay? And God implants this seed in you. Here's what farmers know. We can have the best techniques, the best practices, the best equipment, the best seed. We can do everything right. But too little rain, too much rain, too much wind, hail, too hot, too cold. I've always said that farmers have to have the most incredible faith because there's so much that's out of their control. All that they are subject to. So the analogy here is this. God says, I want you to think like a farmer and I'm going to plant seed. Here's your job. Your job is to make sure that your heart is fertile to receive that seed. I'll take care of the rain. I'll take care of the sun. I'll take care of all those things that are out of your control that you cannot do or initiate. But man, if you have hard soil, plow it up. If you have shallow soil, get the plow deep. If you have rocky, weedy soil, pull the weeds up, pull the rocks out. See, your job is the best techniques, the best practices, the best equipment, the best seed. My job is to grow that. And that's really all that James is saying here. And so we have to listen to what God's saying. He says, you have to act and practice and do everything you are told to do. The spiritual growth, I will cause that growth. Now, if we're honest, like most people, we want to cheat the system, don't we? 
You want to lose weight? What are you looking for? Take this pill. (laughs) You don't want the hard work of exercise. You don't want the discipline of refraining, refraining from eating those things that you love to eat. I'm always curious why God didn't make broccoli taste like ice cream. I mean, that's a question I have. Amen, Amen, yes. People say, you know, I want to be spiritually mature, but so often they let someone else feed them. And they refuse to self-feed. One of the things I hear down through the years as a pastor whether people are coming and going from the church I'm pastoring at or coming from another church, they say things like this. Well, I'm not going in there because I don't get fed anymore. That sounds spiritual, doesn't it? But I have to ask why. I have to ask, well, are you training or are you trying? And of course, a lot of times it's used to cover up some trial that's already turned to a temptation that's turned to a sin. I remember a situation one time where this guy was kind of telling everybody that he was going to leave the church that I was pastoring, and it's because Pastor Greg doesn't preach the word anymore. It's not getting fed. Well, what people didn't realize was that his life was full of a series of really sinful choices. You see, he believed that he had a wife to bear kids with and to raise kids with and he was allowed to have mistresses and so his wife finally got tired of it and says you know is this really right and of course he found out that I found out because she came and talked to me then all of a sudden I'm not preaching the word anymore I'm thinking that's not the issue here now Let me say this. That doesn't mean if I or anyone else is not preaching God's word. Okay? We have something here called the Leadership Council. And if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, they should pull me aside and call me out. And I'm not talking about style. I'm talking about content. If I'm just preaching about me and some other people's ideas rather than God's word, you know, then people need to be called out for that. But hear what I'm saying and hear what James is saying. So often we allow other people and make them responsible for our spiritual development. Feed me, feed me, feed me. When Jesus is saying and James is saying, listen, learn to self-feed. Learn to choose joy. Learn to this implanted word of God. Learn to develop a fertile heart that my word can grow in you. Train, just don't try. And so what James is telling us this morning is that we need to receive what God has already put in us. I mean, he implants his word. And what that means is many things. It means choose joy. And that's hard for anybody going through a trial because we kind of have to figure out what that means and how that goes. And it's why we have the body of Christ And we sit there and say, yeah, okay, here's the biblical principle. Let's get together and pray together and figure out a strategy on how we're going to choose joy. You know, here's things I should do and here's things I shouldn't do. If you're angry at a person, what you shouldn't do is run them down with your car. 
What you should do is pray for them. You know, you laugh because you thought those things, haven't you? (laughs) Implanting God's word means, according to James, we pray for wisdom. And we know that God's word is alive and active. And, you know, we, we pray for wisdom in terms of what he tells us. So we open the word, we hear, we listen, we address sin. And he also tells us, listen. And I said this last week, you never go through this alone. You know, the church is the body of Christ. And personally, I love the church. Not because it's perfect. But because he is perfect. And the church exists to please him. The church does not exist to please me. And we get to choose joy. Even though things around me are in a crisis. And you see how this works? Implanted word, fertile heart, choose joy. You say, I can't handle this. God says, listen, I got it. I'm going to cause the spiritual growth, and I got this. Watch me work. Remember, my word brought everything you see into existence. I mean, think about that for a moment. The sky, the stars, the air, everyone around this room. His word spoke that into existence. And if my word can speak you into existence, what do you think I can do in the midst of your trial? So your job is to choose joy. He says, my job is to produce that joy and cause spiritual growth in your life. But the only way to do this is to allow the implanted seed of God's word and making sure our heart is fertile to receive and grow what God wants us to grow. And that is true for me. And that is true for you. And that is true for this church. Amen. So may we have the courage to choose joy and to allow God grow us the way that he wants us to grow and not the way that we do. I'm going to invite the worship team up. I'm going to pray with you as they come. Father God, you know every single person here this morning. You know what's in our minds, in our hearts. We You know the trials we're going to face this week. You know the temptations that we wrestle with. You know the sin that we just refuse to let go of. And right now I know that God's word is doing his work and the Holy Spirit's interpreting and it makes us kind of wiggle. I pray that you keep us from the temper tantrums. That we just quietly sit at your feet and say, yes, daddy. I pray that you give us ears that are willing to hear what your spirit says to us. Because you say that um, the sword of the spirit is your word. Paul tells us that in terms of our spiritual armor. And so I pray specifically this morning, Lord, for people that are struggling right now. And you know who they are. Some face situations with their kids. Their children are making some really bad choices and and they're faced with life and death issues. Others are faced with uh, 
relationships that are falling apart. Others are faced with the consequences of choices they've made, and now they're exposed, and they're just trying to find their way back. I pray, Lord, that your spirit just minister right now to everyone here. And I pray that your spirit just does what your spirit does so well, brings comfort, brings wisdom. And as we leave this place, we have this sense in our hearts that we're not alone. That we have this sense about how awesome you are. And man, if you can speak creation to existence, there's so much you can do in our lives that we have not let you do so far. So give us open hearts and open hands. And give us the courage to take the necessary step, just one step that allows our heart to become fertile. Again, Lord, we thank you for who you are and being here this morning. You're an incredible God. Forgive us when we don't see that. Forgive us when we think we're kind of more incredible than you are. Forgive us when we don't go to your word and we just run to our social media accounts. Forgive us for all the little fits that we throw. And help us become little children in love with their daddies and mommies. Where we sit at your feet and we just adore you and think that... uh, There can be no one like you and that you can do anything. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us. And we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, because he alone is worthy. And everyone said, amen. Amen.